Welcome to another episode of Shadow Talk, an information security and cyber threat intelligence podcast brought to you by Digital Shadows, a ReliQuest company. I'm joined by my coworker Stefano. How are you doing? Hello, Nicole. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. It's nice to see you in person. Nice to be in the office. Really enjoying being here. So it's been a busy week. I say that every podcast, but I feel like every week is a busy week in cyber threat intelligence. But this month, if you haven't already checked out uh, Patch Tuesday, there were 62 vulnerabilities addressed in this month's Patch Tuesday, including a zero-day that was a privilege escalation vulnerability impacting the Windows common log file system driver. And if you haven't already checked out, we published a blog this month for the vulnerability intelligence roundup, and it dives into the five critical remote execution vulnerabilities that were included in this month's Patch Tuesday. So getting into our first topic, in terms of ransomware news this week, because we always have to discuss ransomware, everyone knows it's, it is a topic that will just keep popping up every week. Disgruntled developer allegedly working with Lockbit Group leaked a Lockbit ransomware builder on GitHub and then subsequently shared that link on Twitter. The builder allows anyone to create their own version of a Lockbit executable as well as the decryptor. So anyone could launch their own Lockbit ransomware attacks without having to communicate or even pay the developers. Now, it wasn't the source code that was leaked. It was just the builder that allows you to create an executable. So I don't really personally think this is going to impact Lockbit's operations because I think they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. But I think we will definitely see an increase in cyber criminals using this leaked builder to launch their own attacks as they did with the Babook source code when it was leaked. I know that one was a little bit different because it was the source code, but that one was leaked last June. Um, and we did see a lot of subsequent groups pop up from that. So what are your thoughts, Stefano? Do you think this will impact their operations? I think it's definitely an interesting development in the way ransomware operations tied to Lockbit will be conducted in the, in the next months, at least. I agree with you on the point that in the short term, this is not going to impact Lockbit's operation. They're going to keep continue to do what they have been doing a lot in the past months. However, there is the chance that things may change in the future, but now I'm going to explain my point. So people may, well, cyber criminals may not try and use the Lockbit builder to conduct more attacks and pretend to be Lockbit, which will work both from a technical point of view, because Lockbit ransomware is pretty good, and also from a psychological point of view, because if you see that you've been encrypted, your files have been encrypted and you've been compromised by Lockbit, that is a pretty known name for everyone in the game. So you might think stuff is pretty serious and you may be more inclined to pay the ransom, for example. So I think that can be an interesting development. But at the same time, even if we see more attacks attributed to Lockbit, we've been using Lockbit's data leak website on the dark web to check the victims that they are officially attributing and I don't think any of any part of the builder will have any possibility of like publishing on this website. So we'll still can we will still be able to use that website to see who's a legit victim of Lockbit and who is not. And I think this is gonna be good and bad for Lockbit. On a good side, they will have a better chance of like mudding attribution attempts and saying like if there is something that they don't like, some attacks that have gone a bit too far or whatever they want, they can still say that they were not the responsible for it. 
on the bad side though if any of the cyber criminals using this builder so any of the people outside lockbit use the builder to attack cni for example critical national infrastructure lockbit may likely be held accountable and we know what happens when ransomware groups target cni it doesn't go really well for them usually we've seen that in the past with dark side we've seen it with conti so yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it develops i don't think not a lot is going to change in the short term but in the long term there may be some accidents and some yeah interesting communication strategies employed by lockbit to avoid law enforcement activity that's it's i never thought about it like that but that is true because this actually can benefit the group in that way because they could just be like oh that wasn't us that wasn't us versus you know if somebody performs an attack that was, you know, a super good attack, you know, or super interesting or something that on the other hand, they could also be like, oh yeah, that was, <laughs> but this could definitely impact them. But I feel like they're so well established and they're pretty vocal when it comes to like a lot of, you know, like news sources and stuff. I've seen them discuss things with them. So I think that they would be pretty open to saying, yes, that's that's me or no, it's not me. But then again, you know, it could be the same thing if it's something where someone went too far. I don't know. And I also wonder if it'll have any impact for this leaked developer on their bug bounty program, if it will like benefit any of the cyber criminals. We'll have to stick around and see. So moving on to our next topic, I wanted to discuss the recent Uber Grand Theft Auto lapses connections. And a lot of stuff has been said in the news. I am a stickler for attribution, and so I don't want to 100% say one thing or the other. But if you haven't already seen, on September 15th, Uber released a statement that the company had been responding to a cybersecurity incident. On the 19th, Uber released an update and gave some information about their ongoing investigation. And they said, you know, it's still ongoing, so we might, you know, release more information as it becomes available. But they believe one of their contractors' accounts was compromised by an attacker. And they believe that the contractor's computer was infected with uh, an InfoStealer malware that potentially allowed a malicious actor to purchase logs and get the credentials to his VPN account for Uber to be able to access it into their system. The threat actors then performed a multi-factor authentication exhaustion attack or an MFA fatigue attack. And this is when a threat actor uh, has valid credentials, but there's MFA. It's usually like push notifications. And they what do they do is they usually use a script and they just try to log into the same account over and over. So the victim just gets inundated with alerts and they hope that the, you know, the individual will eventually just hit approve just to stop the notifications and then we've also seen sometimes like some threat actors will actually go as far as like reaching out to that person to try to socially engineer them into approving it like say like oh hi i'm from it and it looks like that is what took place uber at the end of this notification on the 19th they said that they believe that the person responsible or the multiple attackers that were responsible are attributed to the lapsus threat group Stefano, could you give us really quick before we move on a quick rundown on Lapsus and, you know, like what are their TTPs? Does this uh, align with their uh, their typical types of attacks? Sure, no problem. First of all, I'd like to say that, like from a cyber threat intelligence analyst perspective, Lapsus is one of the most interesting groups out there, in my opinion, because they're complicated and they are 
unlike any other group. Like usually when we talk about other threat groups, it's pretty easy in a way to to label them as, you know, state-sponsored threat groups or financially motivated or activist or whatever they are. Like it's pretty easy to do that. But when it comes to lapses, that is not the case. With a digital shadows, we've done in the past some structural analytic techniques exercise to try and figure out to which category this group belonged. And it's really not easy because like on one side, they are really sophisticated, especially from a social engineering point of view. Their skills have been used to compromise some of the most high profile tech companies out there that we know have really good security measures because of the nature of their business. And so that is impressive. And then at the same time, we've seen some amateur or operational security mistakes going on. I remember, you know, stuff being posted on the Telegram channel that just, <laughs> I don't know how to explain that, <laughs> basically told them, told us who they who they were, where they were operating from, like stuff really easy to avoid if you've got some experience in the, in the cyber criminal world, let's say. In terms of the TTPs, yeah, social engineering skills is the main way of getting access to these companies in the first place. For those who don't know it, social engineering uh, is the practice of trying to trick users into divulging information they weren't supposed to in multiple ways. Uh, phishing belongs to social engineering. Scam phone calls do the same. Phishing, like, there are plenty of names out there. Anyway, any sort of strategy to try and get some information out of people that they weren't supposed to divulge that's social engineering in a way or the other so they're really good at that and then we've seen them targeting like their victimology is pretty clear they've targeted a lot of high profile tech companies like samsung like okta now there's uber and also they've they're known for stealing source codes but at the same time we still haven't seen well, we still don't know exactly what they're using that for, if they're selling it on, uh, on some markets. Like we've got no visibility into that at the moment. So still a mystery out there. And also the other thing is that according to various researchers, the majority of these group members are teenagers from South America or Europe. Although this hasn't been confirmed officially by, you know, reputable sources like CISA or the NCA in the UK. So it is interesting because like it's a mix of different things that we haven't seen in other groups and because the they're effective in a way or the other as we've seen from the targeting of yeah uber yeah it's really interesting to see that you know on one hand we have to take them it, we have to treat them as if they are a sophisticated group because i mean they're targeting these massive companies like cisco microsoft samsung okta you know uber and it just goes to show you that like companies can't just focus on, you know, the potential of a nation state cyber espionage attack. Like Lapsus has been known to use social engineering and valid credentials, you know, just purchased online. So just simple things like a malware infection or, you know, phishing is something that companies need to focus on because, you know, it doesn't matter whether the hacker is 16 or, you know, 50 or 30, it doesn't matter. It just matters, you know, Threat actors typically do the same thing over and over, and companies just kind of need to align their focus to, to, you know, what they're potentially fighting against. Because this group in particular, 
while they might not use, you know, 20 zero days or have custom malware or anything like that, they're still getting the job done. So getting back to our story or the topic of the week, in Uber's statement that they made on the 19th, they said that there was also rumors that, that the same attacker that targeted Uber may also be responsible for the Rockstar Games attack that happened in the last week or so. And in this attack, uh, a threat actor apparently got into Rockstar Games and stole the source code for Grand Theft Auto 5 and 6. And 5, I believe, is already released. 6 has not yet been released. And then a threat actor made a YouTube account, and I think they use like the name Teapot uber hacker and they released a bunch of footage from the game there was like some footage that was like developer it looked like developers were like troubleshooting it or testing it and other things like that that user has also allegedly been on telegram saying that they are responsible for the attack and that they were looking to sell the source code for grand theft auto 5 but not sure what they're doing yet with grand theft auto 6 source code but Uber has not released information on on how or why that they're attributing this threat actor to Lapsus. Stefano, have we seen anything like actually physically attributing this uh, threat actor to Lapsus? At the time of recording this podcast, no, we haven't, apart from these claims. To be fair, like usually when companies publish these press releases like following a cyber attack targeting them they may leave these bits and pieces there but without giving any technical detail because when they release this publish they're still investigating the matter so they don't want to give any any support to the attacker to to show what they know and what they don't know but yeah we haven't seen anything yet like any definitive evidence proving the lapses is behind these attacks However, at the same time, based on what we were saying before about lapses, it is definitely worth noting that like there is there are several indicators that like overlap between lapses previous activity and what we've said right now, both with Uber and uh, Rockstar Games. The selling, the stealing and selling of source code is one of them. The victimology is also more or less in that same domain. So tech companies, video game, like we're not too far from that. Also, from um, from a gamer point of view, I've been waiting GTA Six for a long time, so I hope this cyber attack doesn't <laughs> cause any delays in the in the release of the game. But yeah, we haven't seen anything for sure saying that this is lapses. As far as I know, I haven't seen any posts on lapses saying that they've been responsible for both attacks, but. We'll have to wait and see. The group uh, in the past has been quite vocal about their attacks. Like they also have this sort of braggish attitude for their attacks. So they're not, they've never been shy of saying, oh yeah, we've done this and that. I don't remember if it was Okta or Microsoft, but I remember they started publishing on their Telegram channels, like screenshots of them, like downloading files as they were doing. And that helped Microsoft or Okta like to stop that activity as it was happening. <laughs> talking about you know that obsec uh, mistakes that we were referring to before so yeah if it's them i would say it's likely that they will claim the responsibility for it and if that was the case i wouldn't be surprised well the good news is i remember the 
what was that game? Cyberpunk. Their source code was leaked and the game still came out. So I think there's still hope. I still like that game. So I, I think there's, I think the game will still be released. Okay. And it, you know, who, who knows what will happen, but I also will not be surprised if it ends up that this attacker is attributed to the lapsus group because it does kind of meet their MO. They have been known to do a lot of, well, we, I, I, it's hard to put them in a category, like we said, like, because there's, you know, there's probably members spanning the globe. It's probably not just Europe or, you know, they're, because they're based on Telegram, there's probably users all over the world, similar to like anonymous or something. So we could put them in like a hacktivist type of thing. We could also say they're more like ideologically motivated. They seem to enjoy like fame. They do a lot of, you know, what would you guys like to see next? And you know, with the source code, they, you know, they're like giving back to, they think the gamer community with Uber, I know like the main motivation, like the attacker for Uber posted a message on Uber's internal Slack channel. A researcher stated that said like Uber underpays its drivers. So this one was again, more ideologically motivated. So it, it could very well, we'll, we'll have to see when more information comes. So moving on to our next topic, also on ransomware, Emotet, the banking Trojan and the botnet, is now distributing Quantum Locker and AlphaV or Black Cat ransomware. So researchers tracking the infamous Emotet botnet have reported that the banking Trojan, you know, is now distributing those. Um, and this is interesting from a number of, of reasons. So if you remember... Emotet's infrastructure was actually shut down by international law enforcement um, back in January 2021. The Conti ransomware gang, which is now shut down, they played a huge part, security researchers believe, in bringing Emotet back to life. And they did that. It came back online, I think it was around November 2021. And after that, Emotet was exclusively used by the Conti ransomware group to distribute Conti um, until they shut down in uh, June of this year. So there are rumors in the threat community that several members of Conti moved on to other ransomware groups, including Quantum Locker. We don't have any solid evidence proving this, um, but this is rumors that, you know, everyone is, is saying in the, not everyone, a good amount of people are saying. So knowing this, Stefano, are you surprised at all that Quantum Locker is now using Emotet for gaining initial access? I can't say I am. We know that like the lines between different ransomware groups tend to be quite blurred because yeah, because of the structure of these groups right now. So we've got at the top of it, at the top of this pyramid, like we've got developers and operators. And then there's a whole bunch of other figures like affiliates and initial access brokers and whatnot. And the latter part of this organization structure, yeah, very flexible in joining other groups. So it wouldn't surprise to me, it wouldn't surprise me that when a group goes down or is taken down or decide to stop their operations for a while, members of this group would move to other ransomware gangs. And if there were members that had contact with Emotet members as well, I don't see why this partnership was to hand. Also, like we know that cyber criminals don't like to change their TTPs when they still work. We all have in mind the pyramid of pain, and that is like TTPs are at the top of it. 
They should be at the top, I think. Um, but keep me honest on that one. Anyway, there it's hard to change. TTPs are hard to change. So if Emotet still delivers and that sort of partnership still functions well, it makes sense for other ransomer groups to jump on the train and use the same tactic. Also, whether we like it or not, Emotet is a synonym for reliability in the cyber criminal world. They've been through up and downs uh, in the history. They've been active since 2014. They're still very much active now in 2022, eight years later, which in the cyber criminal world is like eternity because like that's a really long time. So if their product works, if the tactics still ensures ransomware groups to gain initial access to targeted organizations, while not exploit this partnership as much as they can. So I'm not surprised by this. I wouldn't be surprised if other ransomware groups will try and join this partnership as well. And and yeah, Everted is good. I don't like it, but they're good. And researchers have stated that just in 22 alone, there's been over 1.2 million devices that have been infected with Emotet so far. Stefano, have you seen any other updates with the malware or its operation that are worth mentioning? Yes, I have. But before we go into that, I Google entities are at the top of the pyramid of pain. So just so we're all clear, that was correct. And yes, we've seen it, it's changed a lot in the past. As I mentioned before, this group has been active for eight years. And to be that, like to ensure that longevity, you have to update your your tactics, you have to adapt to the environment a lot. And in the past, well, we've seen since June that the botnet has been upgraded to infect potential victims with credit cards, still a module that will attempt to harvest payment card information from the browser. So not only Emotet can be used for ransomware purposes, but really is like an open door for all kinds of cyber criminal activity, including, you know, financially motivated activity just like ransomware but like in a different in a, in a different way also we've seen emotet switching to using microsoft office macros that have been now disabled by default thank god as an attack vector to infect targets devices in the end as i mentioned before these groups need to adapt their tactics we'll keep doing that in order to remain successful and it's likely, it's highly likely that we'll continue to do so in the future. So it's really important to monitor how these groups evolve with time in order to update your defensive mitigation strategies. So sign up to a threat intelligence capability, I'd say. It is crazy to think about how long that they have been around because a lot of groups, that's true, they don't last that long. So a lot of interesting things coming out of that. I also just think it's interesting you know, since Conti was, you know, primarily using them and now other groups, you know, it's been a good amount of time now since Conti shut down. And the group also, if it's unrelated to Conti, you know, if uh, former members are not now using it, it could just be that, you know, the operators of Emotet, you know, just want to move on to, you know, who's using, who's in the game now that, you know, they could purchase or they could sell their services to. So, that pretty much ends it for this episode of Shadow Talk. If you haven't checked out our blog, there's a lot of great new activity on there. And until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.